Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging. Hey everyone, and welcome to Raising Parents, the Parenting Science Insights podcast, produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week, we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. I'm your host, Dina Sargent. Now, let's get started. Hey guys, welcome back to the Parenting Podcast. Um, Today, we're talking about screen time and screen time in terms of how much is too much? Is there a such thing or are we all, is it just something that's just going to come and go? To talk about about this with our topic is Athena Saraya. How are you today? Hi, I'm good. Everything is fine here. How are you there? Everything is fine here too. Yeah, it's the middle of the afternoon and yeah, I'm I'm quite ready for the day to end. <laughs> nice to hear that. Um, so would you mind talking a bit about yourself and what you, what you do and what you studied and something similar to that? Of course. Okay. So my study background is psychology. I'm having a bachelor degree of a psychology and also my master degree in psychology as well, especially for children development, actually all of develop human development, but then I focus on how children develop their self and then um, currently, I'm a lecturer in psychology department at Hasanuddin University in Makassar, Indonesia. And I'm also doing a practice for children, um, like their need of assessment, psychological assessment. So I am also a children practitioner as well. Oh, wow. So how long have you been in um, talking, talking about psychology, a lecture? Okay, as a lecturer, I just started it um, the end of last year, December. So it's just like uh, five months. It has been five months. Oh, wow. And then as a children practitioner, it has been four, three years. Wow, that's... And um, how how do you like it? Is, it? is it good? Actually, sometimes it's so difficult task because understanding children is something unpredictable you know because every children is unique so sometimes we want to suggest a parent to do this for their child but then we need to understand that every child need is different so we cannot generate generally say the um parenting style or what do you call how to raise a child yeah no that's definitely true i feel like everyone has a different opinion as to how a child is supposed to be raised and adding the impact of culture as well. I think that definitely has some influence as to how a child is supposed to be raised. Yes, true, because all family has their own value. Exactly. No, exactly. So talking about today, I think we're talking about screen time in sort of parenting aspect. Um, How would you define screen time essentially? Okay, screen time actually it refers to spend time engaging in visual-based technology 
So, for example, video games, when you use computer, tablets, smartphones, or similar devices are also included in screen time. And some activities that engage with screen time is like doing online gaming, offline gaming, communicating via digital phone. Meanwhile, we need to understand that auditory activities such as talking to the phone or listening to music is not count as uh, screen time. And however, we need also to understand and recognize that there is also a term called secondhand screen time, which is referred to a passive screen time viewing. Okay. Um, so what about, so what is secondhand screen time? It's like, okay, when I am as an adult and I have children beside me, I use my phone and then the children beside me show what I'm viewing. Okay. So it is, it is kind of um, indirectly viewing some things on a screens or TV. For example, like I watch my own TV show. It's not suitable for children, but then they, sh they see what I'm viewing on that particular time. So it refers to passive viewing screen time or also called secondhand screen time. Uh, okay, that makes sense. That, that actually is... Um, so that's, is that separate from screen time or is that still counted as screen time? It also counted as screen time, but sometimes we forget that there is children around us and they can involve in our activities. Yeah, so we forget to filter what we are watching when we are around the kids. Meanwhile, it's something to mm -hmm. take a concern because they can absorb anything from around their environment. No, that's that's totally true. Um, yeah. So talking a bit more about you and what um, what your screen time is, do you, we're going to do a sort of quick fire questions, like a little icebreaker as to who yeah. you are, yeah. So there's five different topics. I was going to ask you the first thing that comes to mind. So currently, what's your favorite book? My favorite book is everything that related to self-improvement because recently I have an insight that I need to love myself more <laughs> because when I love myself more, I can share more to people. I have uh, like long-term goals that Okay, when people ask me, what kind of dream job do you have? I don't have a particular professional job description to answer because as long as I can share things to people, I feel that I am value. I, uh, I have something that I can see a positive side from myself. And for doing that, I cannot give something if I don't have it for my own self. I can share things if I own it. So recently, I just learned to how to love myself more, so I can learn the I can share the positivity to people. That's really good. Do you have any book rec recommendations that you that you may have read that have sort of helped in this in this journey that you've gone through? Uh, for now, I'm reading about altruism, but I forgot who is the author. <laughs> No, that's totally fine. So that's definitely a genre that's really popular. And yeah, yeah. so of course, um, how about your favorite movie? My favorite movie is everything that can make me laugh. <laughs> so kind of uh, family comedies like uh, 
Cheaper by the Dozen, if you know that movie. Yep. Yeah. That's one of my favorite movies. Wow, that's that's such a funny movie. I love that movie. Yeah. Is it the um the one with Hilary Duff in it, I think? Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like the first one more than I like the second one. The second one, yeah. yeah. Different actors. Yeah, exactly. Um, how about your favorite podcast? My favorite podcast? Mm, actually, I'm listening to any podcast, politics, relationship, parenting. Yeah, so I'm not limiting myself to um, some topics. I just li- like listening to all kind of podcasts. Do you have one in particular that you may, that you are listening to at the moment? Um. Yeah, I have one of uh, podcasts that I usually listen. But then uh, the one who created the podcast is from Indonesia. Uh, his name is Arif Muhammad. He provides a lot of knowledge, daily knowledge. Okay, wow. That's definitely, um, well, we'll have to look that one up or and definitely have a view of it somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> How about your f- a famous role model or a person that you admire? The famous role model is, okay, in Indonesia, we have a hero and his name is, it's not a hero, 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 <laughs> hero, superhero. Here's one of our former president. His name is uh, Professor Habibi. And yeah, I admire him because he shows that even though he go abroad a lot, he absorb knowledge from other countries a lot he travels a lot to gain experience but he never forget where he comes so he always contributes to our nation to our country that's why i admire him no i I really like that i really like how worldly he is he say he sounds at least for sure yeah how about a course that you have completed um, a course that I have completed because uh, I am more concerned towards children, so I completed a certification for Montessori educator. Okay, and what does that course talk about? What is the, the focus of that course? So Montessori is one of learning methods in children. It's a worldwide method that used in a lot of schools that allows children to learn from observation from exploration we are not limiting them to learn something just from our mouth verbally from our uh what do you call it uh from our board of what we write on the board but then we ex we let them to explore all of the objects around them so yeah it can be applied not only in learning methods but also in parenting style Okay, wow. So is that similar to going back to what we were talking about before when it comes to secondhand viewing? Is that definitely something that is similar to what you were talking about? Um, not really, actually, because um, being a Montessori educator or being a Montessori parent, it means that you are ready to assist your children any time for their uh, learning purpose. Okay. Okay, so now that we're talking a bit more about the going into screen time and what we were, a whole reason is for the episode today. Um, 
how would you define screen time in the perspective of a child? For like, do you for, mean? For, yeah, for a child, how would you? Since we've spoken about how it would be defined as a parent, how mm-hmm. would it be defined in the terms of a child in a way that a child's screen time is? Okay, so are we talking about what the, the do's and don'ts of children using um, screen time? I think eventually, but I think we're just focusing on the definition of what screen time is. The definition is. of yeah. screen time. Screen time. Yeah, the screen time is our time spent to engage with any screen activities like scrolling social media, watching TVs, show, or see a YouTube channel, do online gaming, etc. That is screen time. Mm-hmm. Okay. And sometimes, yeah. So, how, what role does the parent play in a child's screen behavior? Okay, first time the role that the parents play in screen time behavior is we need to remember as a parent, we are role modeling the screen time behavior. We need to remember that children will tend to follow our behavior rather than listening to our advices because they are a great imitators. So the parents interaction with screen should be concerned. For instance, uh, how we role model our Screen time is we need to ask our own self. When we play with our phone, when we scroll through social media or when we do virtual meeting, are we ignoring them when when they are talking to us? Yet we should not misunderstand the examples that I mentioned earlier that we are forbid to focus on our virtual meetings or when we work to some documents because children also need to learn that there is time when we need to connect with our family and there is time that we need to spare uh, for other responsibilities outside from home. And it can be taught by showing them a a simple timetable. For example, okay, uh, son from morning to 12 o'clock, until your uh, lunch time, I will do my work. So will you excuse me to focus on my laptop while you're doing other activities by your own? But when they're talking to us, then what we need to do? Yeah, uh, when they're talking to us, sometimes we can give them a gesture, like a code to them that, okay, I need to focus first, later I will go back to you. And when there is um, a break, from our work, we can go to them and tell them, I'm sorry because earlier I ignore you, but that doesn't mean that I don't want to talk to you, but I need to focus on my work because it was my working schedule. So why do you want to talk to me? And then we can replace that time. Okay. Yeah. And also the other role that uh, we have as a parent is we need to remember that we are the rule makers for the screen time. We are the one who are responsible of the do's and don'ts. We are the negotiator of the rules. It what has been on list is not fit with the children's need and comfort. And last thing, we are also the supervisor for uh, the screen time access. Mm-hmm. So yeah. how do we, so the first part that we're talking about definitely sounds like you're learning from the behavior that so children are learning from the behavior that the parents are putting in place so how do we how would you minimize that especially when going out of lockdown there's a lot of working from home parents and parents are always on their laptops and 
working, how would you, in in your opinion, how would you sort of define, like separate the time in order to time talk to your child? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, with the screen and because the child can imitate our behavior, right? Yes. Um, yeah. Before the bedtime, you can have like a pillow talk with the children to explain uh, to them that nowadays we are moving into digital era. Sometimes I need to work with my phone and I need to work with my computer and I need you to understand that it is important for our living because I make money from work and you can buy food, you can buy clothes, you can buy toast if I work. And that's how I work. And you can show them uh, how you work. For example, if you are doing a Zoom meeting or for example, like this, I'm doing a podcast recording. Before we start the Zoom meeting, we can have them in our lab and we can show them, okay, you see, now I am doing an online meeting. So I will meet my friends virtually. I can see them on the screen and I will talk about work. But actually, this is not suitable for you because it's hard for you to understand. But you will understand that when you are reaching older age. And if you want to talk about my work, I can explain to you with an easy word. And we can do that before we sleep tomorrow, something like that. So they understand that, okay, my parent has their own time to do their work and I can do other activities, other alternatives, rather than disturbing my parents or following them into their work. Yeah, something like that. So mm-hmm. for me, it's important to explain to our parents what is our, to our kids, sorry, what is our job exactly. For me, for example, I'm not a parent yet, but if I have a kid one day and I'm going to explain to my kids what is my job, I will tell them, okay, you attend school every day, right? And you have a teacher inside your classroom. Okay, I am also a teacher. I'm an educator. But for older age, for like example, your cousins, your older cousins, yeah, that age, I'm teaching them. So yeah, they will understand, okay, my mom is a teacher. Sometimes they need to meet the students through laptop. Sometimes they need to call uh, the students through the phone, and that's all right. Okay. How how would you be when you're working, for example, and this is completely from a scientific point of view, that way that you studied it, um, how would you sort of discuss, make sure that the child is not, imitating you directly for example like if you're working on your laptop the amount of hours that you do work and but you don't want your child to be on the computer or on technology for that amount of time how would you how do you stop that okay so um how we stop our child when we are doing work and they disturb us? Um, I think it's more of like when a child is on the technology mm-hmm. the technology for the same amount of time that we are. There's not a how do you sort of tell them that they don't need to be on technology for that long? Okay, so we're yeah. talking about the duration. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, uh, you mentioned earlier that how much is too much, right? Yep. 
green time duration for children. Actually, if it's for infant under two years, the appropriate duration is actually for under two years, we should not allowing them to access uh, screen time except for video calling for their sake of cognitive development. But then uh, two years, three years, four years, uh, etc. for the following age, we can limit them into just 30 minutes to an hour duration of screen time. And we can help them to understand the duration by setting a simple uh, reminder. For example, like, okay, do you have an hour of screen time? Let's set the alarm together. When the alarm rings, it's time for you to stop. Because actually nowadays, we cannot stop them from accessing technology actually uh, for digital devices because nowadays they are they're expected to operate technology it's a mandatory needs mm -hmm. currently so yeah we cannot limit them into accessing uh, technology like cannot accessing at all but then we can limit them so, so do yeah you, would you separate educational use with recreation use for a child yes of course because um actually for recreation they need to understand that this is my time to entertain myself but then i also have time to access education there is they need to understand a clear schedule when they need to attend school when they need to do homework and sometimes it needs digital devices that's all right but it's under supervised and then they need to understand there is free time for me to use digital devices and the parents need to tell them when is the exact time for example okay after nap time you can access screen time for an hour let's set the alarm together but then during meal time no accessing social media at all not accessing tablets at all and we need to strict with that rule sometimes they might cry they might scream but yeah that is the challenge <laughs> Yeah, you were talking about the cognitive development that a child okay. has. What is the development that is positive or negative when it comes to the amount of screen time? Okay, uh, some researchers also tell that education device can improve their mathematics and science knowledge because it gives additional perspective on learning purposes. And also some studies shows that uh, some of the uh, gamers can uh, improve their multitasking school but not all of the gamers <laughs> okay and we need to take uh, in mind that if you're talking about cognitive impact we have the positive sides and also the negative sides so what is the negative sides for children's under two years it's hard for them to transforming two-dimensional objects into real forms and sometimes uh, the entertaining content on the digital devices can offer overload stimulations because it gives us uh, like eye-catching content, a very bright colors, a very uh, noisy sound, and it will make them hard to focus on real situation, which is less eye-catching, or we okay. can say mundane conditions. Okay, so just to sort of um dumb it down for everyone for me as well what exactly is cognitive development cognitive development is 
everything that involve our brain activities we are talking about memory we are talking about intelligence we are talking about attention that is the scope of cognitive aspect okay so we're talking about the positives and negatives what are some what factors lead to positive effects of screen time for example um okay for example they okay we can see that some of the kids can expand their vocabulary through youtube or through uh tv shows but then we need to take notes that it can be rich if we provide the educational content together with a real interaction so we are not just making them a passive observer of the shows but we also make them engage with real discussion so through that some of activities they will develop their uh, language development because we cannot deny that sometimes we have a small scope of vocabulary when we talk with our children but then when they watch youtube they can get more exposure towards another perspective of vocabularies that we are not using at home and that will expand their language development okay how do you limit how would you limit the language because i know especially on social media there's a lot of language that you don't want your kid your child to learn how yeah. how do you sort of filter that or can you can you even filter what they learn that is totally true um Actually, it's hard to filter it 100% because we cannot be 24 per, per 7 beside our kids. But then there is the importance of having a discussion about what we have been doing for the whole day. So before they uh, have a screen time, we need to ask, what do you want to do on your TV? What do you want to do on your tablet? What things do you want to watch? And then we need to do the co-viewing. What they are really watching. Is it really true that they are saying this, they want to watch this, and they really watch the content that they mentioned before? And then after that, we need to ask them, what do you think about what you uh, has seen on the TV? And we can give also our own perspective. So we learn what is their, uh, how they perceive the world, and they can learn how is our value. We can have a discussion about that and by having a discussion you can understand okay they learn this kind of value they might learn this kind of behavior they might learn this kind of language we can give them a definition of that language if we think that that's it that is a bad language to uh, talk and then we need to give them an understanding perspective that why we think it's a bad word why we think it's a bad uh things to communicate when you talk with other people. So it's important to have that conversation with your yeah. child. Yeah, to understand what they have learned and to understand what is their value. Hmm. So what about the, we're talking about the co-viewing with your child. Is it also important to watch what they watch before they're watching it? So sort of, um, for example, you're on YouTube and there is a YouTube channel that they like watching. Mm -hmm. It's important 
I think, so in my opinion, I think it would be important for a parent to watch that channel first in order to really understand what that, um, what that account is about and the morals and the values that that account holds. Is that something that you would recommend doing for any parent as well? Yes, I agree with you. Totally agree. But sometimes we don't have time for that, right? That's true. That's true. Yeah. So uh, if you don't have time for that, the discussion that I mentioned earlier is really important for the post-viewing of the content. So it's okay sometimes if we are busy and we don't have time to do the pre-watching before the kids watching it, but we can always have the active involvement during their screen time for example like for kids we can ask them simple question like what color is the sky or what shape is that it can be practiced but we can have a bigger question like what do you think if there is not tree over there what do you think if that animals is not being fed by the uh, caretaker how do you think of that something like that so yeah it can be practiced Okay, so with the regulating of what a child watches, also with the time limit that the child watches, I know that there's a lot of, um, so the TV has a time limit as to what can be watched for how long. Like, for example, you set a password on there that sort of blocks, blocks everything. How is that really needed? in your opinion or is it just something that um it loses the trust in the child sometimes we need that because kids are not always cooperate with us so if we tell them for example okay let's set the alarm together if the stopwatch rings it's time for you to stop they might scream out loud, no, I still want to watch this. I still want to scroll on my phone. I still want to play my games. So setting an automatic uh, turn off for TV, for example, sometimes it's needed. But I would like to recommend better to discuss the things and to understand why they still want to engage with activities uh, from the screen. So we can understand, okay, they found it fun for them to play games so what can i offer other options for them to have a fun activities can i give them a free exploration on the garden for example or let them water the plants is it also fun yeah yeah i think it's really interesting because when i um when i was growing up not me but my friend's parents they used to have that time blocking Um, on their phone about how long they could be on social media for. And it's funny because kids are smart and they find a way, they definitely find a way around it. And it's definitely true. (laughs) To me, I think think it's kind of pointless in a way because one, you lose, in my opinion, you definitely lose the trust between a parent and a child. And you don't have that it sort of means that sort of signifies that you don't trust your child to sort of make good decisions 
Yes, true. It can affect the trust between the parents and the child. So if you want to set like an uh, automatic clock for your phone or for your tablets, you can tell them uh, after setting the alarm together, if you don't want to stop it, when the alarm rings, it will automatically lock itself and it will take the tablets. I will keep it in a storage where it should be kept. So it is important for children to know that phone, computers should be keep in, in their place. It shouldn't be put everywhere. So from that kind of behavior, they can learn, okay, uh, there is a separate time for entertainment and to connect between entertainment and connection to our uh, family time. Okay. Doesn't that, in a way, lose the responsibility of a child? Like, in my opinion, like, from what I know, I kind of feel like it sort of doesn't have the say it doesn't give the child the responsibility to decide for them to decide when enough is enough because a parent like you said earlier like a parent is always isn't always going to be there yeah true that is why i said that it is really important to listen why they still want to engage with the phone what they feel when they uh, still want to watch the youtube they feel it for example um fun or they feel happy when they watch it why they feel happy it's understand it's important to understand the why behind everything and of course it's not an easy process it takes time because sometimes children have uh, trouble to communicate their feeling they are having trouble to express their emotion because uh not because they are having a disorder or something but because of their development, they still have the lack capacity of expressing their emotion and their feelings. So they can only say no, or they can only say, I just want it because I want it. <laughs> but yeah, we can give them uh, some option of our simple common sense. Why they still want to enjoy the TV show, for example. Mm-hmm. Because you like it, why do you like it? Because you can laugh? Okay, let's see other activities that we can laugh together with. How about if we uh, play Play-Doh together and then we make different emotions? How about that? Okay. I think uh, I think that's a good alternative in ways of um, having that communication with your child. And I think with the different ages as well. I mean, I know we're talking about cognitive development, but sort of talking about the social and emotional development and especially... Yeah. Um, older children like I know there's a lot of children now create connection with friends through video games and social media how do you balance that or rather how do you view that sort of connection that can be made yeah that is totally true because online gaming nowadays is very creative for example like Minecraft if you know that kind of game you can uh, have a connection through your larger social communities just by playing that kind of game. But uh, we need to understand that recent studies show that screen time is resulting in lack of quality interaction between children and uh, other family. If this routinely pre- 
practice at home, this behavior potentially applies in larger, larger social uh, environment. It is can easily observe that when people are gathered together outside in a cafe or in a restaurant, you can see that people are tend to focus on their own smartphones rather than having a real communication. Be in touch with social connection through internet is fine, but for children, the best form of maintaining relationship is by video call, especially for them who is still under uh, two years old, because they can learn a holistic communication uh, in a video since they can see the facial expression during interaction. Voice note also helps them to understand tone when talking. So yeah, for children, if they want to talk with, for example, their auntie or their grandparents, you can encourage them to use voice note instead of just uh, typing things. Okay, so how would you do that in like older children, for example, teenagers? And um, I know that you can sort of audio chat through video games and through other social platforms like Discord, for example, is that enough to build that social or emotional connect, like development? Or would you need to sort of, or is that damaging in some sort of way? Okay, for a teenager, it's really hard to limit them on using uh, smartphones especially because we cannot um, forbid teenagers to develop their own value as they are start to learn how to connect through my uh, social life, how I have my own perspective. Now I have my own uh, mindset. I have my own value. And sometimes the value is different from the parents for you. It's very common for teenagers and it's uh, easier to control children's uh, interaction through internet rather than teenagers. So for teenagers, my uh, suggestion is, okay, if you have time from your, if you have friends from your uh, online gaming, why don't you invite your friend to have a dinner with us so we can have a real conversation with them? I, I think it can be fine. Would you like to arrange what is our menu for dinner? Yeah, involve them in a real life communication for example like having a dinner together or playing a real toys together is uh, important for them and can encourage them to have a real interaction rather than just virtual communication okay um so how would you deal with the situation of telling a child enough is enough being on the devices that they're on would you take the devices away or would you just simply expect them to know that they've had they've had enough time on it for me i need to be patient to take the phone away if they don't want to stop with it mm -hmm. because sometimes we just want to give them phone to instantly calm them down because yep. they crying out loud in the middle of the crowd and we just afraid that we will disturb others people convenient of the uh, situation so for me it can be overwhelming for the parents and it can be a frustrating situation for us as an adult but then if we don't have a strong value 
of uh, taking the phone, just simply take the phone, take them from the, their hand, they will learn nothing. But if we want to spare our time to listen to them, to allow them to express their emotion, it's okay to cry. If you want to cry now, cry it out loud. I can understand that you're sad, that you're mad at me because you want to still play with your phone and I want to take it away right now. But you also need to understand that I do it because of, okay, you can explain why you do that. Okay. What is your cause? And give them time to talk for themselves we need to also to listen to them if we want them to listen to us I think that's a really good point I think that's um that's really important especially when developing that relationship between the parent and the child having that sort of I'm listening because I want to listen not because I have an answer to that to yeah. what your situation is yes um as we already know Screen time does give a lot of positive and negative effects on a child's development. What would you suggest parents need to practice to maximize the positives of screen time? Okay, the first thing is we can do co-viewing and involve in their using to assist them as an active participant. So we can ask them regarding what they feel like, what color is the flower, but we can also give them a more complex question. For example, like what is your opinion if the parents yelling on the kid? How would they feel? Or how would you feel if I do that to you? And what is your opinion? What should the parent do? That is for the older the older age. But then, yeah, we should understand when we communicate with uh, children, what to say uh, that is appropriate with their uh, age. And then the second thing is we can optimize the internet feature. For example, YouTube now have a YouTube Kids feature. But then even though they already filtered the channel, don't forget to double check the content and then we can build a culture of balance play there is time for real talk real toys and digital entertainment real toy doesn't always to be expensive sometimes letting them to explore objects around them is the cheapest way and it will benefit their cognitive skill and last thing is we need to monitor the content there is currently some activities that requires active response from the user, uh, the so-called digital book. So for example, like when the child read that digital book and they touch it, it will give a touch effect or sound effect. So yeah, uh, the real book is uh, better than the digital book, but then sometimes we don't have option because they just want to read the digital book. And that's okay as long as we supervise the using. Okay, so it definitely sounds like there would be some things to have on the go. So when going out or things like that, um, what other things, what other alternatives do you have rather than bringing just a mobile device to entertain a child? Talking to them. Mm -hmm. Children really love talking, actually. But then we found it now that... Uh, they are tend to focus on their smartphones rather than talk to us because we don't let them talk to us. Mm -hmm. We need to spend our time to simply listen to them. It might not be uh, an easy process because understanding them is a complex 
situation since they still they are still lacking on vocabularies but then you can talk to them you can uh play with them so for example when you're on the car together rather than uh see a youtube watch youtube to kill the time to, uh, to kill the duration on the way to our destination we can ask them like okay what do you see over there what do you think about uh that weather for example okay that's i think that's a really important i think that's something that's overlooked as well like you don't have that um having that quality time with them without you on your phone or without your child on your phone it's just simply a one-on-one conversation that um I mean, I'm looking, I'm looking around cafes and that's, I mean, that's really hard to do for a lot of parents who sit around at cafes as their downtime, for example. And I mean, I know that bringing a mobile device is definitely something that's just so easy for a child to get distracted on just to sort of leave them for a bit. So how... How would you do that? How would you balance the need for your own time with the child being on screens too much? Okay, so uh, as a parent, sometimes you also need our own quality time with our phones. And it's okay to give them an understanding that uh, for now, for an hour from 3 p.m. to 4 p.m., I need my own time. And you can uh, be away from your kids to avoid them as having a secondhand screen time. So you can be on your uh, room and then for an hour, keep your promises to be back to your children again. And for that duration, for that an hour, give them alternatives of what to do. So, yeah. That's why actually I take the Montessori course because it really helps me on um, providing other alternatives of screen time because they really give them children of free exploration. Sometimes we have a lot of rules in our house. Like, don't touch this, don't touch that because you might broke this, you might broke that. But then, yeah, we cannot turn back time. we cannot repeat the same uh, childhood but we always have uh, our opportunity to control what they do to supervise what they do no that's that's totally true and I think this sort of fits in uh, we've got a lot of responses from audience members um, from listeners who have some questions for you as well um how does screen time affect learning? Um, screen time might affect learning if we don't have the uh, strict timetable of when to access the digital devices for education purpose and for entertainment purpose. Sometimes when they're doing homework, they can access other websites to entertain themselves. So we need to be uh, for children or especially those who are still in kindergarten and uh, elementary school, we really need to be beside them when it's time to access internet for educational purposes because we cannot control. They are very smart on operating technology. They sometimes know how to open a new tab without we knowing that we are they're opening the new tab. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
yeah and then we can ask them what is uh your obstacle on doing your homework what is uh something that might cause you uh sadness or other negative emotion at schools can i help you with that can i um accompany you on doing what is difficult for you that might uh help them to okay i can entertain myself by talking to my parents by sharing what i feel to my parents rather than finding um any other happiness from internet i think i definitely remember a time when um that song baby shark came out yeah. it was so popular and the mum the amount of kids that knew just what to type they knew to go to youtube they knew to go and type baby shark and they were able yeah. to find it and it's just it amazes me how difficult a lot of people a lot of adults find technology but how easy it is for a a um two year old to go and find to go and find yeah. the song for very easy type of but my nephew for they don't know how to read because they are still uh, three years old, but it is very easy for them to press any button on the remote TV to access their favorite YouTube channel, like Coco Melon or something. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing that they, and I think that's, that's a perfect example as well. I think it's incredible to know that they know that it's that channel, that they recognize yeah, that. True, because if you still remember what I mentioned earlier about the eye-catching content <laughs> of uh, digital devices, yeah, it's really can uh, attract them. It's really can engage with their attention. That's why if it's too much for them, for example, how much is too much, more than an hour for them, uh, for that kind of exposure, it will make them hard to focus on the real-life objects because it's less colorful. Why it's very easy for them to remember, okay, I don't know, for example, my nephew, I don't know how to write, I don't know how to read, but I know this is my favorite YouTube channel because I remember the color, because I remember the sound, I remember the clue, I remember the cues. That's that's amazing. Like I, It's just kids, kids amaze me more and more, the more times I'm around yeah. them. Actually, that's explain how, uh, how, big is their brain development during the first five years of their age by that uh, kind of behavior. So if we can involve them to more real activities and uh, something that other than digital devices actually, playing Play-Doh or simply just uh, playing with the rain, with the puddles, it's more... Uh, it's more towards the stimulation activities, actually, because mm -hmm. all the bodies are involved. But when you are watching, it's just your eyes and your attention that plays role. So is it like just just to sort of sidetrack on there when it comes to that, like you're talking about the your nephew finding that perfect, finding that show, knowing that it is. So what is the how do they know it's an eye-catching content without even knowing what the account does? I mean, do they, are they able to understand what the content is or is it just what the colors, the colors are? If you're paying attention 
to um, like uh, kids channel such as Coco Melon, Pink Funk, something like that, you can see that they always put a very bright color. Yeah, it's very different from um, real nature. With when you go outside, you can just see green and blue, but when you see screen, you can see all the colors and everything is so bright. It's so eye catching. It's that's why it explains why children toys always associated with the colorful. Why kindergarten have a very colorful uh, wallpaper because yeah. it can attract children's attention and it's easy for them to um, engage in activities which is provide that kind of uh, stimulation. But it can be over, over an overload of stimulation if it's too bright. Mm-hmm. So do they actually know what content it is? So, for example, you're talking about wallpaper. If there were giraffes on that wallpaper, for example, would they know or would they just see it as a color? At first, they will just see it as something interesting. Mm-hmm. But then the interest can be developed into something bigger when they want to seek for that. The interesting, for example, they uh, see there is a picture of a giraffe on a wallpaper and they will develop their interest by first touching at the wallpaper. How is the texture? Oh, it is smooth. And then they will start to ask, what color is this? What animal is this? That is also works on uh, watching a YouTube, for example. When they scrolling, through a channel and they see something eye-catching, it will attract their interest. And how it goes on the first step, they will click on it and they will say, oh, okay, this is interesting. And they will start to repeating the similar channels and so on and so on and so on. Uh, okay, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, so what age is appropriate for allowing a child to go on a screen normally without you being there i cannot answer the exact age for that because <laughs> even for teenagers we really should supervise uh, their access of <laughs> internet but if you ask me uh what what year can i allow uh, my kids to have their screen time it's after two years okay so anytime before that it's important to sort of build the real world Yes, exactly. Okay. To stimulate all of their aspects. Okay. So this comes into a really interesting question. There's a seven-year-old child at the moment. Um, she's wondering, can, I, can we give a smartphone to our seven-year-old? If not, how should we explain the reason to him? If yes, how do we control his screen time? Yes, you can give uh, a screen time for a seven years old, but then you need to have a strict schedule of that. So it depends on you as a parents. When is your best time to give them a screen time? Is it after dinner? Because it's the time you have a free time to assist them on using technologies. Then you can set it. Okay, after dinner, 7 to 8, but after 8 p.m., it's time for uh, bed. So no more screen time after then and no screen time during meal time. Everything th- about screen time can be discussed if you want to spare your time to actively listening and to 
explain your perspective. Okay, I think she means in a way, can I give him a, s- a smartphone? Like give him, like he has his own phone. Actually, I, I'm not, for me personally, I'm not recommending you to give them a personal smartphone for them to have by their own. Because if you give them, okay, this is your own smartphone, they will think that, okay, I have an ownership of this gadget. So I can access it anytime because it's mine. It's just like uh, they will think, okay, my hair is part of my body. So I have my uh, own choice to cut it short or to let it grow long. That's can be work, that can be works on a uh, phone as well. So if you want to give them a screen time, yes. But how about uh, having one tablet for all family members, for all the kids? So, okay, you uh, need to take turns on accessing the tablet. Mm-hmm. So in a way, I think seven-year-old doesn't have that sort of, shouldn't have that responsibility of having his own phone. He, yeah. They can't handle that responsibility. Yes, but you can teach them, for example, okay, how uh, some of parents might, might ask, how about in emergency situation? Uh, for example, they are going to school and then they need to go home by their own self. They got lost. They need to contact their parents. If they don't have a phone, how can uh, they do that? Mm-hmm. Okay, this, this, this have a lot of pros and cons because, okay, if we think about that, that is also important how if they got lost but you can give uh, other another option about that kind of condition okay uh, how about you remember um emergency font number for example your mom phone number or your dad phone number this is my phone number this is your dad phone number and where they can uh, find calling station for example or find help when they're in such situations there is uh, a lot of options that you can offer for example okay if you saw uh, if you see a police station which um, the icon is which this color and uh, you can read it with the p as a first letter okay you can ask them for help for example or if you see uh, other adult you can ask them for help how to ask help from uh, older people is also important to be taught mm-hmm. okay so even if maybe for like another scenario for example um even if the child does have a phone so if when they get home is it acceptable to sort of leave it in a blow as soon as they get home they sort of leave it on the kitchen table for example being like okay you're out you're you're out and you can have the phone for emergencies but when you're home it has to be in one spot yes i really suggest that that the tablet should be in one spot that everyone can access it and it should provide with explanation why it should be placed there for example, because it's for your own safety, because it's out of your screen time schedule. And why it's out of your screen time schedule? Because you can do any other uh, activities other than doing uh, screen time. And yeah, something like that. Okay, so the smartphone, even for emergencies, you wouldn't recommend it? Uh, 
that's why it is important to have a just a cellular phone only to call yeah. at home a phone call uh, in case of emergency okay so how would she explain to the child that they can't have their own phone okay you can start with the responsibilities of having uh, their own smartphone for 7 years old you can start with you uh, you can see that it's very easy for you to receive any content which i would not recommend you to watch that why because sometimes it's hard for you to understand why this kind of behavior is forbidden you might be exposed to uh, aggression content which is i don't want you to be aggressive towards your friend or towards your sister why because how would you feel if i yell on you how would you feel if i hit you how would you feel if i have this kind of behavior towards you and then let them express their opinion after that you can respond with okay that's what you feel and your feeling might be felt uh, towards other people you you would you don't want that right because it's feel uncomfortable and people can feel uncomfortable too i cannot be beside you 24/7 and i want you to i wish you to always have a positive emotions as well as we wish other people also uh, have that kind of emotions and we can prevent it by ha- not having a smartphone for your own because of the, that kind of example okay i i think that's um that's a really good point just sort of the emotional if they don't have the they have too much responsibility if they're able to sort of decide yeah. for themselves yeah and it's hard for you we can explain that it's hard for them to filter it but i can help you to filter it because yeah. i have more knowledge on reading i can read the content meanwhile uh you still have a lack of capability on uh reading the content or on identify what is the problems on this content and it might harm you i think that's a really good really good conversation and i think just being open and being honest with your child yes. and the concerns that you have as a parent would be would definitely have some sort of um influence as to how they view technology as well yes because the key point is they can understand our value and we can understand how they perceive the world mm-hmm. oh for sure um going into thank you so much for answering all those questions um we are done with the questions from audiences now um i'd love to move on and talk about your practices when it comes to screen time and right. so what is the practice that you do to deal with your screen time my own screen time or children's screen time your, your own personal screen time Okay, my own personal screen time. For example, I set a detox social media time for myself, and it should be today <laughs> after the podcast. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, for example, I I have my own time for social media detox because sometimes I cannot uh filter what people post, and it might affect my emotions. 
I cannot control people to not posting this on that. And sometimes I start to, for example, I start to compare myself with others. Okay, why people are having that kind of achievement and I'm still doing this? Am I worth it? <laughs> we cannot control that. But I can always control myself uh, for what I can access. So sometimes uh, I put on a social media detox uh, period and during that period, uh, time i doing i call it a healthy journey so doing yoga for example and have a journaling time and then when i back on the social media again i feel more fresh and i can uh, see what i saw before that that is can disturb my uh, emotion i can see with more positive point of view So that's definitely coming into the next question with what are three good things about this practice? You've spoken about coming back and being a bit more refreshed. What other two, can you think of another two positive um, results that come with sort of doing a detox? Yeah, it creates uh, my bond more with my uh, real social connections mm-hmm. because uh, I tend to go outside and meet with my friend in real situation, talk to them f- with a face-to-face interaction. So it creates more of a uh, bonding. And I think it's just um, can function as a value sharing. So the more I discuss in real life, the more I can understand a lot of uh, perspective, a lot of uh, value. So I see it's just like a window through the other world. No, that's that sounds really good. That sounds really nice. It sounds like I need to do a detox very soon as well. <laughs> um, so what are some challenges that, occur when you go through a social media detox sometimes it's really hard for me to keep my hand away from opening the social media for like instagram Uh, it's really hard but then when i face that kind of challenge i try to uh, replace that uh, needs with journaling uh, time so i write my feelings I express on, sometimes I write it on a book or I sometimes also do a digital journaling. I write what I feel, why I really want to see what people post because I feel bored. And then when I recognize that emotion, I can give myself uh, alternatives of what to do when I'm bored. No, that's uh, that's really true because, um, yeah, I... I think yeah. me and a lot of other people, they go through, they just go on social media just when they're feeling bored, just to sort of um, f- um, waste time and that kind of thing. And no, I think there are definitely, that's definitely something positive. Journaling, I love journaling as well. So that sort of resonates with me personally. As oh, well. really? Yeah, I love journaling. It's um, especially during that's the last- There's other people who love journaling. <laughs> It's, because most of my friend doesn't not like journaling. Oh no, no this, <laughs> I hope this will definitely um tell them that they should start because I think it definitely helped over the last two years as well when like COVID and lockdown and you couldn't really do much and now no, um no. yeah you couldn't you didn't want to spend all of the time on social media all the time watching TV so yeah journaling is definitely something that um 
that's really helped me personally as well, for sure. Yes. Um, how often do you go through a detox? Um, actually, before before this, I just uh, recently active back on social media for less than a month. And before that, I was doing social media detox for like two or three months. But I don't know for this next social detox how long it will last because uh, this is just my second time. Mm-hmm. I never did that before in my life. How, how do and you get I the motivation? Because honestly, I, I, like, I get so bored and I sort of just fall back into the same habits of checking Instagram or checking TikTok and those kind of things. Like, how do you get the motivation to sort of, okay, for two months, I'm not going to touch, I'm not going to go on social media at all. Actually, it's not on my plan that I won't touch my social media for two months. It just happened. Because I uh, start to uh, feel that when I can recognize my state at that moment, when I can recognize my emotion and identify what do I feel and what do I really need, I just find that I can connect to the world easier meanwhile accessing social media it's just an instant way uh, for us to calm ourselves (laughs) just like to calm a kid no I think that's a really that's a really good point and yeah I definitely need to um definitely need to do a detox now over the next couple of months (laughs) um so how do you think that this practice impacts your perception in life um i just f- feel like i cannot turn back time like i mentioned earlier mm-hmm. um i cannot achieve things that i'm achieving today if i spent my past time on accessing something that won't bring benefit for me i'm not saying that accessing social media will harm you or will not bring you benefit because i also learn a lot of knowledge and i can see the world through just a very tiny of screen but sometimes it makes us forget how we value ourselves because sometimes we compare ourselves to the other sometimes we feel overwhelmed of people's uh, posts on social media and we just need our own time to value ourselves more to see a positive side on ourselves and if you achieve that you can achieve a bigger uh, accomplishment other yeah. than that so yeah i see that as a investing time <laughs> no that's actually that's actually a really good thing um how do you what other activities did you do while you're going through the detox? Sometimes I did yoga, but if I'm very tired of doing yoga, I I really like to make a, something like a poster, educational content. So if I'm really bored, I, I ask myself, what do I interest about today? Okay, for example, I feel like I interest about a screen time topic. How about if I browse that about that? And then I start to list what should I learn, the details about the topic. And that's what I did during my spare time. Oh, wow. So you, you educated yourself in the process a little bit more as well. Yeah. <laughs> so would you recommend 
this practice to everyone and who would you love to target the recommendation towards? Actually, I would like to target my recommendation to all people, <laughs> to everyone, because, yeah, we cannot deny that we spend our time more on uh, social media nowadays. Sometimes I think like, okay, I spend my time on Instagram just for like two hours uh, in a day. But when I check the login activity, it shows that I access my Instagram for like six hours per day. And wow, that's exceed the limit. <laughs> no, I'm, so, I'm yeah. yeah, that's that's not bad. I've, I've done a lot longer than that. And over the last, um, I think the last couple of months, especially, um, yeah, six six hours isn't bad, but at the same time, it's um, I can definitely see how much of time that does take up. Um, also, you you did more than six hours. Yeah, yeah, I have I have done more than six hours on it. It's like a blur line when we are accessing a social media, like a blur time. We we forget yeah. the time. Yeah, you waste it's by yeah exactly you waste so much time on yeah. social media because it's the easiest for me it's like the easiest thing it's the yeah. uh, it's and it's um and because my parents I'm older than kids than kids now so my parents no longer have a say which means it's all on me to make sure that I'm not going over over the amount of time that I set for myself yeah you manage your own time yes and I think that's I think that's worse I actually think that's worse than when I was a kid and um my parents had control over how much I watched so yeah um so based on your experience when it comes to detox do you have any other recommendations of a practice that could be combined with this to deal with screen time um, I might suggest people to see uh, professional help. For example, like uh, you can go to a doctor to check your eyes because uh, like me, I didn't recognize that I have a problem on my uh, eyes and I need to wear glass glasses because uh, I exposed to screen time too much. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely what um my optometrist told me as well. I think that's it's very relatable. Um, no, I think that's a really good um good recommendation to sort of go as well, especially when uh, over the last couple of years when you're stuck on social media, you're stuck on a screen or something and not being able to do anything else. No, I think that's a really good that's a really good practice. Um now, that comes to the part of an open mic where we give you a chance to talk about anything that you are interested in, anything that you would like to share with an audience. Um, it sort of gives you the space and the floor to do so. So, yeah, anything that you would like to talk about? Maybe I would like to talk about how the pandemic babies interact uh, through their social connection because they're like being caged at the home during uh, this pandemic era so all the pandemics maybe when they see the other world i found some videos on tiktoks and instagram the parents are 
invite them to go to the mall and go to the shopping area and they even when they see uh at only a mannequin they will just stare and it's like what is this because they're real people they cannot distinguish the different shape the difference between the real people and just the mannequin and this is like a very um general phenomena that we can found nowadays because of the uh what do you call it again the social limitation mm-hmm. uh the rules yeah. of going outside <laughs> yeah the the isolation and i just want to say that that's okay it's just let them time to observe their world if you see them like a confusing human being when they see a real world that's fine it's a uh, time for them to learn what is the real world it needs time to uh, make them understand that okay this is a uh, real communication i need to pay attention of the uh, body language of people's facial expression and this is my time to meet other new people outside my parents and my sibling so no worry that's why <laughs> Because I receive a lot of questions about that. Is that okay? Why my kid, when they are going outside home, they will be just like staring at the other people. That's okay. It's an observational learning. No, I think that's a really that's a really good point. Like it's so hard to to get the child back out into society when they've never even been in. They've never really yeah. seen how the world is. So even seeing things in real life, but it sometimes it might scare them. Yeah, no. Will this people hurt me? Yeah, exactly. Especially when it comes to things that are really big, that are a lot bigger than them, and sort of just see like a car, for example. Like they see a car actually driving by. It's not on a screen. It's sitting right in front of them. Like that could be such a impact on their understanding of everything. Yes, yeah, I agree with that opinion. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, th- thank you so much, Athena, for coming to join me here today. It was really, actually, it was a really interesting conversation. It was really interesting to talk to you about this. Um, what final piece of advice do you have for parents? Okay, so I might say that Mm. there's a lot of things to say actually but then uh, the practice of us screen time especially for children made me realize that the habits are built from home and an early age is the foundation for the growth they will achieve at a later age and the screen time practice made me realize that habits are built from home even for myself because yeah what I do uh, do at home will affect on how I behave outside home and early age is a foundation for the growth they will achieve at a later age and we cannot turn back time but we can always optimize uh, present time so this actually a reminder for myself and it can be a reinforcement to get up when facing challenges about screen time even for myself not only when raising child and assisting children oh well that's that's actually really great piece of advice um thank you so much for coming on and coming to join me and 
talking about this and it was really, really interesting. And I really hope that, um, that the guests listening today, audience listening today would find this as beneficial as I know most of you will. And yeah, thank you so much for joining me, Athena. Thank you also for inviting me. I really appreciate and I really honored this moment. Do you mind if I uh, take a screen capture of this recording? Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. Go for it. Okay. I will start to count. One, two, three. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um. Yeah, I hope the audience, uh, I hope everyone here enjoy listening today and watching it and definitely if you have um definitely check out our instagram and our social medias on the bottom or on the left on the right hand side depending on where you're listening and i hope you guys have an amazing rest of your time thank you and goodbye thank you you've been listening to raising parents the parenting science insights podcast Produced by the Parenting Science Labs, a division of LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. More episodes are available from 10 Life Management Perspectives and can be found by searching LMSL on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcasting apps available on your smartphone. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, share, and subscribe to our channel so that other people can find it and we can continue to provide quality content. More of our work can be found on our website at pa.lmsl.net, where you can join our movement. I'm Dina Sargent, and thanks for tuning in.